0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall Guy.
1: That's what the poster said.
0: See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope.
1: Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now.
0: What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read at PG 13. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.
2: Hey everyone, it's your humble host Ryan here. I just wanted to give you a heads up about this episode for whatever reason, and I'm not sure what happened with the audio on my side for the Rod Peterson interview, but I just wanted to give you a heads up and apologize for my audio. For some reason, it's all scratchy. Not sure if it's because I use a VPN or because of my connection, but I just want to give you an apology for the audio quality ahead of time. So please don't clap back at me if you're wondering why there are some audio issues on my side during the interview. Anyway, here is this week's episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name and we're still here. is no credentials
0: required covering sports around the mighty 518 part of the belly up sports podcast network in association with godzilla media here is your host ryan mccarthy
2: hello everyone and welcome to no credentials required we are brought to you by belly up sports in association with godzilla media before we go on tonight this, uh, before we go on in this episode just want to let you remind you about our social media social media handles on twitter and instagram at bellyup ncr facebook.com forward slash bellyup sports ncr and youtube no credentials required speaking of youtube just want to ask you nicely to like share and subscribe on youtube also hit that notification bell so you know when new videos are posted whether it be shorts or the live stream that happens on friday nights at seven thirty eastern time and for the podcast side again like share and subscribe give us a review on a myriad of podcasts we for- also leave a review on a myriad of podcast forums it's apple spotify spreaker PodChaser, google play wherever fine podcasts are sold and also want to remind you about our hashtags uh first of all the, the hashtag muddy 518 and also hashtag local sports matter we're not going local tonight though <laughs> i'm gonna bring in a return guest uh, from march uh, i had mr rod peterson from the rod peterson show uh in broadcasting for 30 plus years was the uh, he was a play-by-play uh, commentator for the Saskatchewan Roughriders Re- also for the Prince Albert Raiders he also did the bubble this year for in the for the uh for Saskatchewan for the Western Hockey League which is the major junior league in Canada uh, he was part of the bubble he was the he was a primary play-by-play commentator there and we're going to talk about some CFL we're talking about some uh, mental health issues we're going to talk about some good stuff tonight so we've got got a limited time i'm gonna bring him on in and here he is rod peterson rod how are we doing tonight sir
1: i'm doing well ryan except you made me sound old that uh <laughs> that's a long career there man
2: yeah well you, you, we're not that far apart in age my friend i don't know <laughs> if, you, if you know not know if you know that i turn 44 next month
1: oh you're a lot younger than me <laughs>
2: <laughs> so let's talk about the cfl I, I'm, a, I'm a big cfl fan like as you you know, my team is the Montreal Alouettes, but this has been a kind of a weird—I'd say about hmm. roughly about a year and a half. But I, I say <laughs> you know the chuckle there. Uh, the CFL has just been kind of just kind of strange. Can what's been your perspective on the CFL? I know you you uh, we we talked you talked about it on your show almost every day, which is a great thing because that keeps people informed that hey, there is a CFL, there is still a, a Canadian football league what's been kind of your thought process throughout this whole pandemic about the season, about not having a season? Give hey, us your perspective.
1: Well, we've learned a lot about the Canadian Football League in the last year and a half. Um, a lot of it I thought that I knew. I think the fans realized some things about the CFL that they didn't know. Um, for instance, <clears throat> a lot of Canadians held the CFL up in the same regard as the National Football League and the National Hockey League. And when those mm-hmm. leagues got playing, they kind of wondered why isn't the CFL? And that's what I heard the most. Yeah. And the biggest issue is that you know I was, as you mentioned, I was in the league for 20 seasons, and I know that it's never been a cash flush league. <laughs> a lot of times, people mm-hmm. referred to it as the cash flow low. That's what CFL stood for, mm-hmm. and that was kind of proven to be the case uh, when they didn't play in 2020. It was it was just a dollars and cents thing. And then coming around to 2021, as you recall, you mentioned that I was on your show in March. It must have been before March 10th, because I don't think you and I discussed the XFL CFL collaboration talks or merger talks. That came down March 10th, and yeah. frankly, <clears throat> that gave us something to talk about for March, April, May, and into June. And I'm a little surprised that the CFL survived. I'm sad. None of us really know how they did. I mean, um, the league's been around for 100 plus years. One thing that we heard a lot up here was, well, it survived so many threats. COVID is not going to kill the CFL. And I'm thinking it's never (laughs) faced a challenge like COVID, but they, they, they did survive. And uh, here we are into week three of training camp, working towards an August 5th kickoff for the 108th season, I think of CFL football. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, they have survived. So the league's stronger, I guess, than I thought that it was. Um, And that's come through a variety of reasons too, but more than anything, uh, there's two There's two stories right now in the CFL. One, people are really happy that the league's back. That's fans, yep. that's players, coaches, and executives. That's one side of it. And then the other is the injuries that are occurring. Just the Saskatchewan Rough Riders yeah. announced today a fifth blown Achilles. that occurred on a Friday. Oh. Oh. Five season-ending Achilles injuries. There were a couple in Montreal. There was one in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. So with the, there's the jubilation that, that, that the league has not folded, and it's back on one side, but on the other side, it's and what I'm seeing on Twitter today is: Are we going to have any players left by the time the season starts on August the fifth?
2: I, I certainly hope so. <laughs> Goodness, I know, I know. I saw, I saw a couple days ago that the uh, Argonauts—they're trying to bring Nick Arbuckle in kind of slowly because he had an injury, he had a hamstring pl- I- I- issue. Uh, we also got the another uh, backup. Uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but
1: McLeod Bethel Thompson
2: yes the law firm of McLeod Bethel Thompson yes <laughs> but they also brought in Kelly Bryant from who was a star at, at Clemson um, he's actually just in the IFL the indoor football leagues so he's in there for about a cup of coffee and then gets assigned by the Argonauts so a you know, lot of it's, it's interesting to see a lot of the, the amount of turnaround especially with all these injuries you, are they trying to find a root cause or is it' just because players have been they've been un, in, not inactive? But they've been—they haven't done a lot of football workouts for the last year, year, year and a half.
1: Well, it depends who you talk to, because Mm -hmm. the Rough Riders have said publicly that basically this is a freak thing. Uh, On the Mm -hmm. day of the, they had four Achilles tendons snap within a six-minute span. And to be honest with you, I know that you're a believer like me. I often, I often say when something happens you can't explain, that's God. And Mm -hmm. for those four players that. You know, those four players would question that's what it was to to have their seasons ended, obviously. But I but then I had the executive director of the Players Association on my show last week and he said, don't let any teams off with saying that it's a freak accident because it's not. It's happening with some teams and not others. What are those teams doing that other teams are not? So the Players Association, the union, if you will, their job is to protect the players. So there's an investigation on going into that. I know that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are taking it very seriously. I know their strength and conditioning coach, Clinton T. Spencer, very well. He's as good as there is. There's nobody more concerned about this than him. Um, but that's kind of what the issue is, uh, is, is these injuries and severe injuries to the guys. Because if you remember, Ryan, going into the NBA bubble last year in July in Orlando, uh, yep. And also the start of the NFL season, there, there was a lot of talk of what are the injuries going to be. And people predicted soft tissue injuries, muscle pulls, mm-hmm. that kind of things and sprains. And that never really happened. I don't really remember any big name NBA or NFL players going down with those types of injuries. Really, we didn't. What, what, what did we, we saw? A lot of big name players contract COVID, particularly in the National Football League and yep. the National Hockey League. That happened. But I yep. will I, I will give the CFL a lot of credit. We haven't heard a lot of positive cases since uh, training camps opened here on July the 10th. But one thing that I've noticed with these pro leagues is they want to purport the image that everything's fine. And I don't want to blow that image. I can just say that I think it's very tenuous behind the scenes in the Canadian Football League right now, just getting to that August 5th kickoff date. Yeah, I'm
2: hoping it happens. I am, I guess i mentioned before I've been a I'm a big CFL fan and I'm hoping the border will open too. So I would love to go see a game uh, up in either Montreal or Toronto or Ottawa, whichever whichever has uh, has a game close by. Um, but let's talk about the league a little bit. Let's talk about the season. Toronto signs a lot of big name players. They sign just about everybody in the league. It seems like, but uh, but I don't know I mean I mean. Who are, there, who, who are you watching? Which teams are you watching? Which teams in the East are you watching? Which teams in the West are you watching?
1: Well, the, well, I'll, I'll pick one in each division. I'm watching the Saskatchewan the Rough Riders very closely because they're right in my backyard. And uh, <laughs> even if I tried to ignore it, I couldn't because my phone's blowing up every day with the goings-on of what's going on with the Rough Riders. So I'm, I'm following them as a fan, a lifelong fan. <laughs> and then the other team is the Toronto Argonauts. I've got a lot of friends that are coaching there. I've got a lot of friends in management there. Uh, And players too. He mentioned they signed everybody. Two really big names. I mean, Charleston Hughes is the—I don't know what you'd call him. Who? who, He's the JJ Watt, if you will, of the CFL. I mean, he's the reigning. He's led the league in sacks each of the last four years, and he's a really good friend of mine. So I'm watching how he does. Um, Mm -hmm. Management friends there. Cameron Judge was the most outstanding Canadian in the West Division last year in the CFL. He's with the Argos now. Really good guy and a good friend of mine. So Saskatchewan in the West, Toronto in the East. If they made the Grey Cup, I'd be a pretty excited uh, guy. Uh,
2: all right, all right. Um, I'll give you my team who's watching. So my, obviously, I'm watching Montreal. Uh, I want to see how Vernon if Vernon Adams can keep the momentum he's he's had uh, from last from two seasons ago from 2019. I'm hoping he keeps up that momentum. They a, a pretty solid defense too. Uh, uh, West, uh, I, I would say Saskatchewan as well, just because I'll be. I became a Cody Fajardo believer <laughs> uh, during 2019, and I was hoping that I would I would see him in the Great Cup. Unfortunately, it didn't happen, but um, look, I'm hoping to, to, that he'll uh, have a good season and like he did in 2019 and establish himself as a starter. So that's, those are my two guys I'm watching.
1: Yeah, well, I, with, Fajardo, with Fajardo, I mean, I just absolutely love the guy. Uh, I would call it a bromance, and um, it's. I was worried. So 2019 was his first year as a starter, but I think it was his fourth year in the league. He played at Nevada. Uh, he's from Bria, California. Just everybody loves him that's ever had any contact with him, and I was worried about a sophomore jinx, and a good friend of mine, Uh, Because the last season, 2019, was his first season starting, as I mentioned. And a friend of mine said he's already had the sophomore jinx. It was 2020. The season was wiped out. So it's over. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's not going to have a sophomore (laughs) jinx. So I'd like to think that that's the case. But for your ardent football fans, Ryan, that are watching right now, the Saskatchewan Roughriders offensive line is in tethers. Uh, Their right guard signed in the NFL, Dakota Shepley, he's staying there. Their left guard, Brendan Labatt, a perennial all-star, a Rough Riders Hall of Famer. He's 36, I believe. And he looked at the list of COVID uh, protocol to play. And he's like, Mm -hmm. "Um, I don't think so. So he begged off for the 2021 season. So that's pretty key right there. And then they've Mm -hmm. got um, injuries at the tackle position. So as good as Cody Fajardo is, you know that he's going to need protection. And if he doesn't get it, they're, they're sunk. I mean... It's one thing for Mm -hmm. him to be running around and make plays. He can do that. We've seen it, but if he's hurt significantly, they're done. They don't stand a chance, and uh, I'm pretty sure that right now is the biggest concern in Ryderville, as we call it.
2: Yeah, and Isaac Harker's not a bad backup either. He played solidly when he was called upon last year. Uh, If if a goes down, they got a pretty capable capable guy at the backup with Isaac Harker, and you got that young man, Lynch, up there who is – Kind of come and play way back in the NFL but he's learning a whole new whole new league this year with the NFL with the CFL so it's going to be uh I wonder if he's going to be the practice roster or if going to be third string. I know they only what carry what two quarterbacks on the ro- game ready roster.
1: And right I think that's a gray area. Gray area. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've fiddled they've <laughs> fiddled with the roster here in this CBA. Um I mm-hmm. think the stipulation is you can carry A minimum of two quarterbacks, that's kind of always been the case, but everybody carries three. So the battle, I think, and the head coach here, Craig Dickinson, had said it's Cody Fajardo and then everybody else. And that's what the battle is, I think, over the next two weeks to who's number two and three going into their week one game. they got the BC Lions here on Friday, August the 6th, but it's Mm -hmm. going to be Cody Fajardo starting, obviously. But then the next question is, if he does go down, You're one hit away from your chance. Um, and who, who is that going to be? I mean, Paxton Lynch, six foot seven, obviously has all the tools, uh, a tremendous scrambling quarterback too. I actually admire him. He got a lot of heat here a few weeks ago, and you probably saw it. We debated it where he said that he's, he's found the CFL game more difficult than he thought, which I wonder who prepped him for this because we all know that it's difficult. And yeah. two, you know, he was hoping to get back to the NFL – with this opportunity in the cfl and i thought well dude mm. if all goes well you're not even going to see the field and but i admire the fact that he's he does financially he doesn't need to do this so he's up mm. here trying to resurrect his career he's made a lot of i think 25 million in his career i think i read that somewhere he doesn't need to play yeah. uh, and he's playing for the love of the game which is what most guys in the cfl are doing and that opportunity to get to the nfl
2: Yeah, the way i saw his comment was that he it may have been tongue in t- cheek a little bit, but no. It, it learning, uh, learning a position in a new league, whether it be the NFL or, or bringing away from college to the NFL, or going from the NFL to CFL or going to indoor, it's a different dynamic in each in, in each league. So it's going to be the learning curve is going to be a little bit tougher for the CFL. But you get yourself a season under you, and you keep playing, you keep plugging along, you can earn a job somewhere, whether it be in the Saskatchewan or out and be out in another or another, or another city.
1: Well, the, not the onus, but maybe the perspective out there is that the NFL is the greatest league in the world and nobody will dispute that. Nobody, <clears throat> even anybody in any other league. However, you're a big enough CFL fan to realize that just because the CFL might be a lower league, certainly in pay structure, it still takes skill. And uh, yep. with the wider field and the longer field and the 20 yard end zones, it's just different. You know, I actually had a back and forth with Tony Dungy on this on on Twitter, because uh, he had made a comment on the Sunday uh, Sunday Night Football panel about the CFL being a lesser league, and I said, "Do you uh, want to go? Did you want to think about that again, Tony?" And he goes, "Well, <laughs> let me just say it's different, not lesser, yeah. but different, and I think that mm-hmm. we can all agree on that."
2: Absolutely, absolutely. So, I I, I don't want to put the the, the the spotlight on you, but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to. Ask because you're going to get a lot of this question in the next couple of weeks. Come December 12th, who's in the Grey Cup in Hamilton?
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> well, I said if it was Saskatchewan and Toronto, I'd be the happiest guy, and I think there's a very good chance of that. Um, I'm going to stick with Saskatchewan in the West, but as it stands right now, those Hamilton Tiger Cats are the best team in the CFL. All the odds makers have them <laughs> as the Grey Cup favorites right now. They were in the Grey Cup last season. They were 15-3. and three. They set a franchise record for wins. That's a lot of wins, Ryan. Yeah. And from what I understand, they're, they're reasonably healthy. They have not been dealing with the rash of retirements, injuries that every other team has been dealing with. So They got something going on in Hamilton. And what I think it is is a common goal to finish the job. They were humiliated in the Grey Cup by the, by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They weren't even in the yeah. game. So I think that's, that's a fire that's been burning in them for two years. That's a, that's a long time to sit and stew on something.
2: Definitely. Yeah. that taste in your mouth for, for that long and not go out and try to try to win a great cup for your city who has now has the longest drought in the CFL. Uh, 19 was it 1997? 99. 99. 99. Okay. I was a little off, but but the uh, yeah the longest drought in the CFL you definitely and sitting that taste in your mouth for two years you definitely want to get that out and put <laughs> it in front of your fans especially too.
1: Yeah, well, wouldn't that be something? I and mean, I had the opportunity in 2013, as you know, to call the Grey Cup here at Taylor Field in Regina. The Rough Riders were in it and they beat those mm-hmm. Tiger Cats 45-23. I call it the greatest day in Saskatchewan history, and I don't think there's any doubt about that provincial history. So uh, for that yeah. reason, you know, I'd like to see one or I'd like to see Hamilton finish the job, but it's going to be tenuous to get there uh between I mean, we're, like I say we're two weeks into training camp and look at these rash of injuries we got two weeks to go no preseason games and then a 14 game schedule we haven't had an outbreak yet touch wood uh that that won't happen but there's there's like I say still a lot of talk about that I mean Deion Lacey is a linebacker for the Rough Riders was uh, with the Buffalo Bills last year he was pulled off the field in week 1 of training camp. Trainers came out and grabbed medical staff and pulled him off the field yeah. because of COVID protocol. He was back 2 days later, but we were yep. all kind of wondering, oh boy, here we go. And fortunately, it was I don't know what it was, false positive test or something like that. He was back yeah. out 2 days later, but I just you know, it's 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 wonderful to talk about football. That's what we'd all rather talk about is is the games, but it's just mm-hmm. that behind the scenes stuff that just I think has a lot of people really antsy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. See and I'm A.C. as well. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm anticipating it. So let's let, get off the CFL subject. We'll kind of go back to it in just a minute but, or two. Uh, but I want to talk about uh, we uh, this pod, our podcast. This podcast has a kind of a movement starting uh, called Local Sports Matter. It's I do a hashtag Local Sports Matter. And I'm trying to concentrate on getting people to notice local sports in their area after the pandemic. Here in New York, we're fully open. You know, we can go to the ballpark, no testing. Uh, if you're unvaccinated, obviously wear a mask. But if you're vaccinated, you don't have to show proof of vaccination. You can wander about the arenas and ballparks all you want. So, uh, this is going back to a conversation I had with the with the DCHL uh, Adirondack Thunder uh, play by player, uh, play by play commentator. Uh, we had a conversation about that, how important it was for people to get out and support your team after the pandemic. In Saskatchewan, is is it? Would you say the same thing? Would you kind of say the same thing is prevalent there? Do you do you want to see people? Are, are people anxious to get to Taylor to Mosaic Mosaic Stadium or to Saskatel Center in Saskatoon to Regina to their local hockey rinks? Is there is there as much as a is the feeling mutual in your part of the world as it is in our part of the world here in New York?
1: Well. What people say and what they do are two different things, as we <laughs> as we know. So for the last year, I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, I can't wait to get into the stadium. I can't wait to get into the arena. And I don't care who it is. I'm going to go. Well, Saturday, the Rough Riders held their, intra, their annual intra-squad game, green and white scrimmage. And they had a yep. capacity of 5,000 limit for the game. 2,882 people showed up for it. So a little above 50% of what was allowed showed up. And I don't know why that was. It was a beautiful day. Uh, Maybe people thought that there would be 5,000 people there already, so they didn't want to stand in line and get turned away. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure why there weren't more people there, given I'm sure I've had 10,000 people say to me they're going to be lined up at the gates the second they could. So why weren't (laughs) you there? Um, So that's the one real example that we have. And then we've got a pro basketball team here in Saskatchewan that I went up to. But they've, had, they've played five or six home games, two of them they were allowed fans, their last two games. And I think yeah. there was 1,000 for the first one and 1,200 for the second, and that's in a facility that holds 15,000 fans. Mm. So and, and again, you know, we're talking about summertime, and you know, we don't have a lot of great weather here, so when the weather is good in the summer, people want to take advantage of it. So I guess just based on facts, Ryan, they haven't flocked to the arenas. They have not flocked okay. to the arenas. Now, you mentioned me calling the Western Hockey League games here in the bubble, and I did. Um, obviously, there, there was a bubble for a reason. There was no fans allowed. Our ratings were massive, massive yeah. f- for those games on television, but that wasn't buying a ticket to go. So come fall, uh, the Western Hockey League starting their season in October, and they've said they are doing a full sixty 68-game game season with 100% capacity in the arenas. So I'm anticipating that would, they will be full, but to answer your question, so far they have not been packing the arenas.
2: And why do you think that is? I mean, is it just because of the, is it marketing from the marketing standpoint? Is it people just kind of being afraid, are they afraid to come out because they might, they might think they might come down with COVID? I mean, but what do you think the reason is the biggest reason?
1: Well, it would only be a guess. Because mm-hmm. I've been in this game a long time, as you pointed off at the start. It's very hard to ask somebody why they didn't go. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier to ask somebody, why did you come? <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, my guess yeah. is that you know the Ryder fan base, the CFL fan base, is generally an older demographic. And while mm-hmm. all restrictions have been lifted in this province since July 11th, you still see people wearing masks, even though they don't have to. You see yep. people driving in their car alone wearing a mask. And I'm just thinking who you're protecting yourself from. But I think there is a lot of fear. I mean, people don't want to catch COVID and why I haven't even heard of anybody getting it for a long time around here. But I think there's, I think there's some fear and in my talks with sports executives over the last year, they, and not just that movies, theater operators, concert uh, people like entertainment music. They just thought that people were going to flock to the turnstiles. And I didn't agree with them, mm-hmm. And you know, fortunately, we kept our debates civil, but yeah. I thought, you guys are going to have to work to get people into the building. And I still think they're going to have to work to get people into the building, whether it's marketing the players themselves or assuring fans that it's going to be safe. Like I say, it's hard to ask somebody why they didn't go. Um, I didn't go. So, mind you, I did go to the pro basketball game, but I didn't go to the Ryder Green and White game. And the biggest reason was because I was told that morning, don't bother coming, it's just going to be a practice, which is, in the end, <laughs> I've seen enough Rough Riders practice over the years. I don't need to go to another one. Um, otherwise, I probably would have gone. I'm not scared, but I'm fully vaccinated, too. So, I'm kind of yep, walking around bulletproof here. here. Yeah, kinda, I'm not too <laughs> worried. But I I, just, I think there's still a lot of fear here. I do. But it is tough to turn on the television. I got the Blue Jays at Fenway here, and it's packed here tonight, like just all across America. I don't see a fear at all among sports fans in your country, yet I'm watching the Olympics in Japan in front of empty venues. So I frankly have no idea. I have no idea what's going on or where we're going.
2: Yeah. That's kind of a bummer to have the Olympics being with no fans. It just, it feels like it it was, it feels like last summer. It feels like last summer when we were watching the NBA in the bubble and the Stanley cup in the bubble and baseball with no fans is, it's kind of terrible <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. I'll be honest. Speaking of honesty, uh, you, one thing we, we talked about in the last time we had, a, uh, we had, I had John, we talked about mental health a little bit. We got into your time as a counselor, your business as a counselor. Uh, you had uh, the, the, the counselor, the, the counselor to the stars uh, when you were in Montreal, uh, I started following him on Instagram. By the way, uh, good oh, follow, yeah. interesting follow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Very yes.
2: So let's talk about that. let's talk about mental health a little bit, especially with athletes. Uh, it, it, I mean, psychologically, for especially for CFL, play, especially for CFL uh, players, athletes being in being in their own kind of bubble for for the first couple couple weeks of the season and uh, for for practice, especially. What do you think that kind of has uh, kind of takes kind of a toll on me- mentally? It's the, it's, I know we had we had a couple of, of, of uh, players talk about they're trying to keep themselves a little bit sane, talking to their wives, talking to their like, Xbox, trying to keep themselves uh, in the moment a little bit. But um, when those times, of, I guess of t- temptation your mind kind of kind of wanders off a little bit, and uh, for for you personal for you personally, I mean. Do players reach out to you and just uh, anonymously or well known people reach out to you, especially in moments of of, of just of of uh of strike when they're we're kind of feeling it mentally, or or is it do you just reach out to them or do you reach out to them?
1: Well, as you know, I'm I've made myself very accessible. I mean, I don't think you had any trouble getting a hold of me, right? So, uh, <laughs> not as many people reach out as should. Let's Mm -hmm. put it that way. And for those that don't know, um, I don't think legally I'm allowed to call myself a counselor. I might, I'm a certified recovery coach. There is a difference, believe it or not.
2: Congratulations on that, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That
1: was, uh, yeah. American training out of Hartford that I got in May, but let's just Mm -hmm. talk about the athletes for a second. And what I work with is athletes, entertainers, and military, Mm -hmm. um, just with the athletes. They, a lot of them are younger right? So when they're struggling, they don't really know that they're struggling. They just know that they feel off, but very rarely do they reach out, right? They internalize it, which <laughs> is never a good thing. Um, but I talked to some NHL players that were in the bubble in Edmonton and Toronto, and I asked them, was a mental, did you deal with a mental coach in the bubble? And in some cases they said a mental Health coach was made available by the National Hockey League, which bravo to the NHL for doing that. Yeah, but so a great job. But so few of the players took advantage of that. Um the mm. Tampa Bay Lightning have a mental health coach on staff that works <laughs> with the players individually. And I don't I don't really think the players have a choice. I think they have to. Oh, and by <laughs> the way, Ryan, who won the last two Stanley Cups? I forgot.
2: Gee, I wonder, it was a f- team in Florida. Uh yeah, exactly. Hmm. So
1: I guess, I guess, like I'm just down the road from where I am uh, is where the where the Western Hockey League players were kept was at the University Bubble, here, and I don't know how many players were. access mental health support. I, I don't know. None, none came to me. Let's put it that way. I talked to staff members and coaches when the, when, when it was over, they were two months in the bubble and they were literally shuttled to the rink and back, shuttled to the rink and back. They weren't even allowed to go outside for a walk. They were Ugh. basically in their room for two months. So oh what gosh. they said to me, this was just last spring, what these uh, staff and coaches said to me after was if we have to go back into the bubble in the fall, we're not doing it. We will never mm-hmm. do that again. There were no, there were no bad stories of any bad things happening. But they were basically uh, in jail, and you know, just as far as personality types go, um, some people would love it, <laughs> frankly, and some people would absolutely hate it, absolutely hate it. And I not, I just, I don't think too many people reached out, so um, I didn't hear any c- catastrophic stories. I guess, I guess is my point. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, when people reach out to me in terms of entertainers and um, military, it's for a variety of reasons. A, a lot of it is to do with addictions because it's so prevalent in those industries. Um, but your question was, have a lot reached out to me? I would say not as many as should have.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, I I have a live show streams on Friday nights at 730 Eastern, um, shameless plug. But I, I kind of talked about, I talked about the Richard Sherman's situation, how tragic that was and my advice to i gave life advice based on that as you know i'm, I'm i don't know if you remember i'm a, I'm a former chaplain uh, of hockey chaplain and baseball chaplain for a short time uh, for a summer uh but the one life lesson I, I would have told to people is that is if you're in trouble don't be afraid to ask for help especially to those who who love you or, or won't judge you if you do it is do you think part of it of the reason why athletes or entertainers or military are supposed are, are afraid to ask for help is, it because, is it because of pride, or is it because of they don't want to lose their spot? Like Richard Sherman, I can understand he doesn't want to lose his, lose his spot, like he's a free agent. But uh, but still, like you, you feel like if you if you if you don't ask for help, you don't you feel like you have to go away for a while and you lose your spot. Is that part of the fear? Is just losing you losing your spot in the lineup, or or you're standing in, amongst your amongst your teammates
1: well i'm just going to speak from my own experience the reason it, it, you know i'm i'm over the fact that yeah, i i thought for years when i got into this mental health coaching game like who the hell am i to tell anybody what to do because i was the most stubborn egotistical insecure person for so many years mm-hmm. uh, but i so from my own the reason i didn't reach out for help because i faced an intervention that's what turned my life around was I thought I could do it on my own. And I was beating Mm -hmm. my head against the wall for 25 years, not knowing that it's virtually impossible to do it alone. Um, And then once I faced the intervention, although I did thankfully say, yes, I'll accept the help, I was so Mm -hmm. afraid of what people would think. But I was never afraid of losing my job, and my employers just wanted me healthy, physically and mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody, people want to help. So ego would be one, stigma, fear of what people think would be too. Uh, those, are, those are the biggest reasons. But I'd like to just tell people that what I've learned over the years here since got, getting sober and committing to helping others is that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. It, it is. And I'm at a point now where I ask people every day for help any all avenues of life, right? And, and I'm not ashamed to do that. And, uh, and by yep. the way, my life's gone ever since I did that, but mm-hmm. just in, in the field of personal coaching, Ryan, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, Mark Shifley, he of the hundred mile an hour hit in uh, yep. round one against Montreal. He got suspended. If you recall for four games yep. <clears throat> before that happened, I was talking to a guy with the Winnipeg jets that worked with Shifley on the staff. And he said, Mark Shifley has a shooting coach a nutrition coach, a mental health coach and a head coach. And I said, that is a lot of voices in your head. And he yeah. goes, well, well." he said, he said Shifley is having a career year. At that time, I think he was right. the Jets' leading scorer just this year. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> people that do seek that one-on-one personal coaching in any one of those areas or any other area, whether it's a speed coach, strength coach, whatever, it does put you ahead of the pack. So yep. um, that's me advocating on behalf of any personal coaches that are out there, whatever walk of life, it does work. You just gotta have the strength to reach out and say, uh, "Can you can you help me with this?" And it's it's very difficult to do. And I know because I've been there.
2: I I have a I have a friend who I worked with in ministry. He 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 put succinctly, meekness does not mean weakness.
1: Mm Hmm. I I, well. Sum
2: up. I was I
1: was thinking I was thinking this the other day. I was going to post a meme, and I may still don't mistake my kindness for weakness. For weakness. Because mm-hmm. you're gonna not gonna meet many stronger mentally people than me, but I try to be as kind as I possibly can too, and that that's not yeah. a weakness.
2: No, never, never, it's never, never a bad thing to be kind in the world.
1: Uh, it never go wrong. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I I got I got you there, sir. Uh, oh, hockey. So I mentioned to a friend, personal friend of mine. He's a Buffalo Sabres fan, lifelong. Lived out in the Rochester area. Uh, he's been, he's been here for a couple of years, but I was fear. we talked talk some hockey before we come to the hearts stop a little bit. Um, Jack Eichel, uh, where, what's your opinion on where do you think he does, he, does he stay in Buffalo? Does he go somewhere else? Um, what's your thought? On I don't know how,
1: the I, don't, I don't know how he could stay in Buffalo now. Um, yeah. mind you, who knows, man, As we, what time is it now with Aaron Rodgers? That's been changing by the minute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what's going on there. If I wanted in, drama,
2: I would turn on one of his fiance's movies. That's, I, <laughs>
1: that's my opinion oh, it. It's nauseating. <laughs> but in the case of Jack Eichel, um, once we get through free agency this week, I think the number one story going into the fall, late summer, early fall, will be where does Jack Eichel go. Uh, mm. His agent said Monday that a, a deal is close. So I don't think he's okay. staying in Buffalo. Um, mm. We had a gentleman on our show today from College Hockey, Inc., who said uh, he said the, the Boston fans would really like to see him s- traded to the Bruins. Um, they just signed Taylor Hall. I don't know how much money they have left there or a, or a place for Jack Eichel. I'm just sticking with the Calgary Flames uh, because they need a shakeup. They need something. Uh, mm-hmm. They fired their coaches, you know, and Daryl Sutter replaced Jeff Ward there and didn't really change anything. So right. I guess if you're asking what I think is going to happen, I think he's going to be traded. And if you're asking for a destination, I'll say Calgary, but I have absolutely mm-hmm. no idea.
2: Okay. And I, I know you've seen me mention this on Twitter after the draft. Luke, I know the Devils drafted Luke Hughes from the uh, U.S. development team. And uh, I, I've posted it on, kind of spoken into the Twitterverse that Quinn Hughes is only a $1.6 million cap hit. If the Devils want to do something to bring him over too, I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> He'd be great. He's a great player.
2: Yes, absolutely, and coming from a hockey family is 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 everything. So, I guess we'll put you on the spot again. Uh, even you know you're my you're my guest. If if you were to have one bold prediction for the for, for free agency for next couple months before the season starts, what's your boldest prediction? I, I, I go to the Flames, would is I guess would be so kind of a hot is a is a bold prediction. But if you have if there's another prediction you have, have for the bold prediction. What do you think? what's your what's your boldest
1: prediction? Um, well, I'd love to say that Alex Sovechin is gonna sign somewhere else, or Ryan is gonna sign somewhere else. Both those guys are on the list of free agents, really big name guys. Taylor Hall, as I said, is already signed, so yeah. Um I don't I don't really see anything major happening. Um, the Seattle Kraken expansion draft last week was somewhat anticlimactic in a way. Um, they've got a lot of money left to spend, I think $20 million. So maybe they go after one of those big name guys, but I just can't see Ovi leaving Washington after spending his entire career there. He's got the chase on to try and catch Wayne Gretzky for career goals. I I apologize that I don't, you know, my team's the Vegas golden Knights and they try to do things very by the book and not make a splash. Mm -hmm. Uh, although Mm -hmm. last year they signed the number one free agent out there and it was Alex Petrangelo, the captain of the St. Louis blues. Didn't exactly work out for the golden Knights this year, but as I sit here, I, if I thought about it and I went and looked at the free agent list, I could probably could come up with something better for you. But I, I think all the, the big moves have been done. I think the big names are going to re-sign with their teams.
2: Well, that was one of the theories I had. We we did a live stream with Belly Up Sports with uh, the Kinnans and Tomahawks podcast. We had a big old panel for, for the expansion draft last week, and I kind of theorized that Seattle was going to try to make a split, kind of make some sort of big move in free agency. And you kind of brought it up a little bit but um, that. Do you think, if there's one player you think they would sign with Seattle, who would 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 Getzlaff be one of those? Well, let me. Guys?
1: D- I was just gonna say if you wanna if you want me to go right off the board and don't remind me of this when it doesn't happen, it <laughs> they have the money available to sign a Ryan Getzlaff. I just wonder yeah. if. Being a West Coast guy and having spent his entire career in Anaheim, would that shake things up in Seattle? I'm not sure whether uh, they would or not. It looks like they're trying to build the team from the ground up and not make a major splash. If they wanted to, they could have taken Kerry Price for nothing. He was <laughs> left yeah. exposed by the Montreal Canadiens, the best goalie in the league, and they left him alone. So yeah. it looks like they're trying to build it with a solid foundation there. And I, I applaud Ron Francis for that. I would have done things a lot differently than he did. I did a mock expansion draft and I had a lot of Western Hockey League, good Western Hockey League alumni on my list. And they pretty much stayed away from all of those. So I just, I just can't see those guys. I just can't see them leaving to be honest with you, but I'm very interested to see how Seattle does. They're in a, they're in a division with teams, Vancouver, LA, Anaheim and San Jose, all who missed the playoffs last year. So the door is open for Seattle to make the playoffs and should they go to the Stanley Cup, I would applaud them. But I just uh, I'll be applying as much pressure on them this year as I possibly can, because it was my Golden Knights who set the bar. And uh, I kind of there's a blossoming rivalry between those two teams right now that I think is absolutely delicious. I love rivalries, Ryan, as you know. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. look no, like a good rivalry. Come on. I think I think we're good to go. So sounds good to me. OK, we covered a lot. So- we covered a lot.
2: we did all right so before i cut you cut you loose here rod remind the people where you where you are uh on 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 social media uh your show the floor is open to promote, promote my friend
1: uh well i appreciate that our show airs daily noon eastern noon to two eastern on the game plus television network you watch on facebook i believe and i appreciate all your support on that um facebook and youtube live uh just search at the rod peterson show And we're on all social media platforms that way. We're all, you know, we air as a podcast as well. All the same things that you said off the start: Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, all those. So daily at noon. It's like I I think you've realized it's we're the only live sports talk show in Canada at that time slot, and Mm -hmm. we're the only one in North America talking about the things that we talk about. We're just check your your. uh, Cable listings because we're available in 31 states across America and all 10 Canadian provinces. It's a lot of fun.
2: Excellent. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. I, I enjoy Personally, I enjoy watching you. I watch you guys every day, you and Darren, and uh, uh, I guess all the variety, a wide well, variety of guests you bring in. Because it's, it's, it's hard to watch ESPN or Fox Sports sometimes with the personalities they have. I mean, credit to them for having the personalities, but you know, I, I appreciate it you uh in the guests you have because you cover a lot of topics that i want to i want to hear about i want to hear about the nhl i want to hear about oh and coming soon the nll with our albany firewolves uh, actually last week i had their president their club president george Manias, on so uh he was a really fun interview and I'm, for, I'm it's getting me more excited about the firewolves being in town uh, for sure um and the cfl of course gotta cover that so
1: well i'm always uh, Ryan, available for you bud
2: Yeah, thanks, man. I do appreciate it. I really appreciate the generosity of your time tonight, uh, tonight. and thanks again, and we'll be back in a moment. Thanks, Ryan. Hello, dear listener. Before the episode resumes, I wanted to tell you about one of our sponsors here at Godzilla Media, and that is Mohawk Honda. Sure, every dealer wants your trade-in right now. There is a shortage of inventory in the market, so you trade it in and get money in your hands. Now what? They don't have anything for you to buy. At Mohawk Honda, not only will they give you top dollar for your trade in, but they have acres and acres of inventory for you to choose from. They have the largest inventory of vehicles in the region and that means you can choose the one that's right for you. Sure, some of their dealers talk about their values, but at Mohawk Honda, they would rather show you their value in selection, but most importantly, value in how you're treated at Mohawk Honda. Don't feel pressured into buying something from another dealer because that's the best they can do for you. Come to Mohawk Honda and buy the vehicle that you deserve. Their vast selection of certified pre-owned vehicles is guaranteed to fit your needs and your lifestyle, not the other way around. I can tell you from personal experience that this is so true. As last spring before the shutdown, I was helped out by Evan, one of their awesome sales team members, and he helped me pick out my certified pre-owned 2016 HRV that was the right price for me. This summer, selection is king, and no one has more to choose from than Mohawk Honda, where they always go out of their way to please you. And tell them that Ryan McCarthy from the No Credentials Required podcast sent you. And welcome back to No Credentials Required. Again, I want to thank my guest, Rod Peterson, who returns to the show after his appearance in March. i are going to have him again, hopefully soon at the uh, beginning of the hockey season and possibly the end of the CFL season. We'll see. We'll see how things go. But until then, this part of the segment is going to focus on local sports. So it's your mighty 518 News Beat. We're going to start with the Albany Empire. Albany Empire had a huge game this past Saturday night, traveling to Columbus, Georgia to face the Columbus Lions. Both teams coming into the game were 5-1, battling for the first overall spot in the National Arena League playoffs. And this game was... This game was a doozy for a while. This game had me a little bit nervous, <laughs> uh, but Albany pulls it out in the end. They went up scoring a 61 43 victory in Columbus. Star of the show was the defense, but let's start with the game summary. Let's start in the first quarter. Only three points scored in the first quarter. <laughs> three points scored in the first quarter as Columbus controlled the clock for the majority of the quarter. They uh, turned the ball over on downs. Their first drive, then Tommy Grady throws an interception, which leads to a touchdown. And then the teams start trading touchdowns for the rest of the half. Empire scored a touchdown. Columbus scores a touchdown. Albany scores another touchdown. Then Columbus scores a touchdown. Albany scores one more touchdown. And then Columbus, the Albany defense, they hold, and they wind up forcing a turnover on downs, which leads to a touchdown by the Empire to close out the half as the Empire took a 28 to 16 lead into the halfti- into halftime, Darius Prince, my goodness, he had two touchdowns in the first and the second half to conclude the scoring for both teams. Both teams went into the half. Albany is up 28 to 16. They get the ball first in the second half, and what do you know? What happens again? Tommy Grady, in the first possession of the second half, throws another interception. That leads to another Columbus touchdown, and then the teams trade touchdowns again. Empire respond with a touchdown. Columbus gets a touchdown. Empire get a touchdown. Columbus gets a touchdown. And then on the onside kick with a minute four left in the third period. God bless him. <laughs> you got to watch the video on the No Cringe Required Twitter and Instagram accounts. I also posted, posted to Facebook our Facebook page, too. Poor Craig Kamei tries an onside kick, and the onside kick goes backwards. It literally goes backwards. I've never seen this in my entire football-watching career, but the ball goes backwards, goes in the end zone, balls are covered by Malik Brown, who's on who's on special teams. He gets the touchdown. Albany goes up. Then Columbus responds with another touchdown. Antoine Grant gets his fifth touchdown of the night, After a 22-yard pass from Mason Espinosa, he also had a really good night, too. And Mason Espinosa, 31 of 42, 342 yards, six touchdowns, five of those to Antoine Grant alone. But the Albany defense, they would hold. After Darius Prisk scored his fourth touchdown of the game, Columbus would drive. they get to Albany's three-yard line, and then... Columbus, for some reason, tried tried to do a reverse pass. Uh, Antoine Grant got the ball. He tried to throw a pass in the end zone. Couldn't find anybody, so he tries to run it. He's met by Harold Brantley and Gabe Ostrow, and Albany turns the ball over on downs for the fourth time that day. Albany takes over. They drive the field in five minutes and change. It ends up with Darius Prince scoring on a two-yard touchdown run with just about a minute left in the game. And Albany goes up 60 to 40, 61 43, and that's how the game ended. So, what does this mean? What does this mean for the Empire? Well, one thing it means is that they clinched the number one overall spot in the National Arena League playoffs. So, they will have home field advantage throughout. They'll Have a home playoff game a week from Saturday after their home finale, season finale against the Jacksonville Sharks. They'll come to t- come into town, and it's going to be a revenge game. I think it's going to be a slaughter. <laughs> to be honest, with you, I think it's going to be a slaughter. I think I think Albany's had a bad taste in their mouth for a month waiting to play these guys again. I think they're going to have a uh, they're going to have a field day with these guys. So regardless, Albany gets the number one spot. They will face the four seed, and who the four seed will be is still undetermined because Jersey had the had the week off. Carolina and Jacksonville played each other on Saturday night as the Albany Empire were playing the Columbus Lions and the Cobras come out with the victory with the 10-point victory in Jacksonville. Now, what does this mean? It means that three teams are currently tied at 2 and 5 for the fourth overall spot. Albany's captured the one seed. Columbus and Orlando are two and three seeds, respectively. So, Jersey, Carolina, and Jacksonville. Jacksonville is the defending NAL champions. They need to win and have a lot of help. <laughs> they need to have a lot of help as they currently have an 83 point differential against them. <laughs> so, they're going to need a lot of help. Carolina needs to win against Orlando. Jersey needs to beat Columbus. If Jersey beats Columbus, Which could happen. Which could happen. They had a week off. They have a laundry list of players who they're trying to... Who dropped against the Empire. It was a crazy scene. If you were at the Times Union Center, a bunch of players going off the field injured. Regardless, Jersey still has one of the best defenses in the league. Now, while their offense is kind of suspect, their defense plays really well. And they showed that against the Empire two weeks ago. This week, Jersey will face Columbus. They'll travel to Columbus. And face the Lions. Jacksonville travels to Albany, at Times Union Center, and then Carolina faces Orlando at the Amway Center in Orlando. So again, Orlando's already captured the three seed. Columbus is the two seed. Albany's the one seed. So we're still waiting for the four seed, and it's going to be a crazy, crazy time on Saturday night playoff scenarios. Uh, I haven't seen the National Arena League release them today, but basically, whoever wins. Now, are those three teams that are still alive in the playoff picture? Whoever wins goes to the playoffs. So who the Albany Empire will face on August seventh is still up in the air. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an interesting time to see who they'll who they'll face. And regardless, I think the Empire is gonna have. They're probably gonna want to win the championship. <laughs> that's not a guarantee. That's just. It's just the way things are going right now. For the One thing about Albany that they were, they were missing in their game against Jersey was an ample running attack. And as I mentioned on the summary from last week, they had signed Jeremy Richardson to the squad. And Jeremy Richardson made a big difference for the Empire. 15 rushes, 50 yards, and two rushing touchdowns. He actually opened the scoring for the Empire uh, at the 1441 mark of the second quarter when he capped a 2-yard run on a 4-play, 30-yard drive. They also scored a touchdown in the third quarter to put the Empire up by 12, scoring a 1-yard touchdown run with capping a 5-play, 45-yard drive. But man, it's good to have a rushing attack back for the for the Empire. It's good to have a running game back as evidenced in this game. They had 52 net yards rushing compared to Columbus's negative negative 1. <laughs> rushing stats. So here's the rushing stats for for Columbus. Antoine Grant, two rushes, two rushes, four yards. Desmond Reese, one yard one rush, negative one yard. Mason Espinosa, I'm not really sure why sacks count, but he was sacked once for negative four yards. When you have fifty three more yards than your opponent, it's uh it's a good day. It's a good day. And actually Harold Brentley was uh, credited with that one sack, so the Empire, I think they're they're on their way to win the championship. I'm hoping to be there on the 14th when they host whoever whoever wins between the two and three seed. Yep, but the playoffs are a different animal than the regular season. Regular season means absolutely nothing, as evidenced back in 2018 when the Empire had to face the, uh, the Washington Valor in that uh, home-and-home playoff game, uh, which is a weird thing for arena football. Uh, but... Those are the days they are losing on the point differential to Washington. Washington one up winning the Arena Bowl. They want to face the same situation in the National Arena League. It's one and done. It's survive in advance. All right, so we're going to move on to the Frontier League Baseball with the Tri-City Valley Cats. Uh, right now, they the Valley Cats have stumbled a little bit. They had a three-game series against Keep Quebec, uh, actually, and they lost two out of three games. So they're back in third place in the... Atlantic Division. They're not that far behind. Only a half game behind Quebec. They have a doubleheader on Tuesday against the New York Boulders. And on game on Wednesday, it's office night. So if you're listening on Wednesday, get yourself out to a game. And then July 29th is the 11 a.m. Camp Day game. That means the day camps from around the area, they go to Joe Bruno Stadium to watch the Valley Cats face the New York Boulders at 11 a.m. So... Kind of a crazy schedule they got going on right now. Next week, so this coming week, they'll be at the Washington Wild Things. Then they're at Quebec, and then they're home against the Sussex County Miners. We got some important games left coming up for the Tri-City Valley Cats. Get yourself to a game. Get yourself to a game. I'm going to try to get myself to a game. Uh, I I haven't been to a baseball game since 2019. <laughs> so individual tickets are always on sale. Looking at tickets. Premium box, which is behind, which is along the baselines and behind home plate, they're $13 day a game, $12 advance. Reserve box, which is more in the outfield, they're $11 walk-up, $10 advance pricing. And the grandstand, which is way out in right and left field, $8 walk-up, $7 advance, pr- advance pricing. So if you buy them ahead of time, you save yourself a buck and get yourself out to a game. I'm going to try my best to do so. You should do. You should do the same. All right, we got a couple more stories before we wrap things up here. No credentials required. We want to start off with the Adirondack Thunder. Uh, they made a big announcement on Friday, with the announcement that they had re-signed defenseman Blake Thompson for the 2021-22 season. He played 42 games with the Thunder back in 2019-2020, recording 12 points. He has 171 ECHL games under his belt with 41 points. He's been a big part of their defense the last couple seasons and we welcome him back to back to the Thunder. In addition to that, they also extended qualifying offers to six more players, including Alex Sakelaropoulos, Steven Ruggiero, Matt Salhaney, Mike Zamatula, Ryan Walker and Nick Rivera, uh, Sakarelopoulos, He was a, he played at Union College. He is uh, he's he's played goaltender on and off for the Thunder last couple seasons. Matt Salhani he was he's been with the team couple last couple seasons, and Mike Simatula has also been with the team. So a lot of the same names coming back for the Adirondack Thunder. And then lastly, U uh, Albany made an uh, University at Albany made an announcement saying on Friday saying that they will be 100% full capacity for all of their events this year. So that means football, that means basketball, that means lacrosse, field hockey, soccer. They'll be full capacity. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting myself over to a Great Danes football game this this, fa- this fall and hoping they'll be more successful than they were this past spring's. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of No Credentials Required. Once again, I want to thank my guest Rod Peterson for being on the show. Also want to remind you about our social media accounts, which which are on Instagram and Twitter at BellyUpNCR, Facebook.com forward slash NCR, And then finally, YouTube, just search for no credentials required. Speaking of YouTube, just want to remind you to like, share and subscribe. Hit the notification button. That way, you know, when new videos come out, whether it be a short, whether it be a, a live stream. I publicly want to thank my intern, Justin, for Working super hard this summer on getting clips up on our social media accounts, especially on Twitter and Instagram, and also on YouTube. He's the one who's creating creating the YouTube Shorts that you see on uh, the the page every once in a while. So, well, I publicly thank him for all his hard work during the summer. And on the podcast side, once again, like, share, and subscribe. Leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts, Spreaker. Pod chaser anywhere can leave a review. So, thanks again for joining me on this episode of No Criminals Required. I'm Mike McCarthy, and we'll see you around the Mighty 518.
0: Courtesy of Joseph McDavid. Check him out on support his music at patreon.com forward slash McDavid. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a Belly Up Sports Podcast Network production
1: in association with Dogzilla Media.